0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy.
1: Fall Guy. What's what the poster said?
0: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Turn to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read at PG-13.
1: Um, okay. And welcome back to Talking Nicks. I'm Tom Piccolo, coming up to you with uh, a post-Thanksgiving episode. We took last week off for the holiday, but we are back, and the Knicks are back. So let's do it. Let's talk Knicks. All right, we are recording this on Sunday, November 28th. The Knicks are coming off a back-to-back that saw them lose to the Phoenix Suns, but uh, more importantly beat the team that sent us home last year in the playoffs, the Atlanta Hawks. So we're going to get to all that. But uh, first, I'm joined by my co-host, Kenny Poon. Kenny, how how you doing? How are the holidays?
0: Hey, Tom. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, it's been a busy couple weeks. Uh, I think you were there last weekend for for Greg, my brother, also a, a co-host of this show, his 30th birthday. So we, uh, we were up in New York for that. And then... This week, we came in, uh, I came home for, for Thanksgiving, so I had a nice little Thanksgiving with the family, hung out, celebrated Greg's 30th birthday again, because there were some people who couldn't make it, uh, and, you know, just, just, it's been relaxing. It's been nice to get a couple of days off to just rest and recuperate, you know? How, Greg, how about you? You went down to Delaware, right?
1: Greg deserves multiple celebrations, so 30 is a big one, 30 is a big one, so yep. um, that was a nice time celebrating him uh, in New York. By, by going to a bar and, and drinking. But it was safe, you know.
0: Um, but what, what New York does that I like is that they require everyone to show proof of vaccination at the door, which makes you feel a little safer. I don't know if it actually makes you safer, but it makes me feel safer. I don't know what your opinion on that situation is.
1: It's the best city <laughs> in the world. I will say, uh, I, yeah, we're down in Delaware visiting my folks for Thanksgiving. Um, I'm not from Delaware originally, they just moved down there after they retired. So um, yeah, both my brothers and their significant others, my grandma was there, it was, it was a big crowd. Um, you know, my niece was there as well, a couple of dogs. So it was a full house and uh, it was really good to see everybody, you know, last year for the holidays, didn't really get a chance to do much of that. So it was, it was really nice getting everyone together, playing ping pong, drinking beers, having having a nice time and watching a little bit of nicks
0: yeah it's always a good time when the when the piccolo family gets together
1: yes we we do we play a lot of games it's a little competitive but uh always been through through a lot of games together and we, we you know we started uh like we started christmas a little early this year you know like we were watching home alone um my niece is big into the Grinch did a little watching on the Grinch too so like really getting into the holiday spirit like pretty early maybe a little too early I don't know you might you might so like get all stressed out
0: when did you start because if you you, ha- you can start the day after Thanksgiving the people who
1: start before Thanksgiving you're
0: just skipping an entire holiday and I'm not for that but the day after that's fair
1: game it may have been like the evening of Thanksgiving but uh so,
0: so that's a i mean that's that's a gray area because i feel like once <laughs> you're done with thanksgiving dinner is thanksgiving over and like you can move on like i don't know
1: because right, we weren't doing like the black friday thing you know we, yeah. we never really go out there and do all that the shopping and all that so it's like you know what else are you gonna do you throw on a movie why not so uh yeah, yeah nothing uh, nothing we weren't breaking the mold with with thanksgiving this year is is all pretty pretty standard stuff but uh you know we can we can move on to to the Knicks, dude A lot of A lot's happened since we last recorded. Um, There have actually been seven games. It's been two weeks since we last recorded. Um, We beat the Pacers, lost a shameful game to the Magic at home, beat the Rockets in a really ugly one, lost to the Bulls in a really competitive game, beat the Lakers without LeBron, but who cares, lost to the Phoenix Suns, who are just a a great team right now and rolling. And And then last night, had a – the best win of the season, I'll call it. I really thought it was the best win of the season in Atlanta against the Hawks. Um, it's been a win-loss, win-loss sort of like every other game. The sky is falling, and then, you know, sometimes things are, are okay. It's it's a tough team to get kind of the, the pulse of, to really get a, a good read on. But, uh, yeah, just like high-level, Kenny, how are you feeling about the squad right now?
0: Uh, I think when I – when we were around maybe – Two three weeks ago, the last time I was on, uh, we talked about it because I think a lot of people were panicking. There's a lot of people on Twitter just convinced that this team was trash. Uh, after a strong start, they had slowed down and they had lost some games. So like, I'm I'm still at the same place. Like we see enough flashes that you know you think that this team could be really good. Uh, we also see stretches where they're very bad. I think over time they're going to figure things out you know, they have a lot more talent than they did last year. And it's all about just them figuring out how to play together both offensively and defensively, probably more importantly, defensively. Uh, but I, you know, I'm, I'm the same place that I was a couple weeks ago. I, I don't get too high or too low at any point, but I, I think, you know, there's been a couple good wins, like the, the Lakers win and the, and the Hawks win were, were good. The Suns, you know, we just got beat by a better team. So like, I'm not going to read too much into that, but I, I think we're headed in the right direction. I don't think we're there yet. I think there's still some improvement for this team coming up. But, you know, I'm, I'm feeling good about the the future of the team.
1: Yeah, Kenny, you mentioned the defense there. And, you know, at the beginning of the season, there was just all this talk. Of, oh, the Knicks, you know, sold out for offense and their defense will suffer and, and this and that. And you go back and you look at the last two weeks, so the last, last seven games, and the Knicks have had the top, a top ten defense during that time. And it's really shown. I mean, I, I think we'll focus mostly on last night's win against Atlanta, just because I mean it was such a such an exhilarating win, and the, the defense looked. It was, defense was the reason they won that game. Like it was, they looked tremendous. Um, I think that a lot of Knicks fans will point to a reason for that, being that Kemba Walker sat. So the Knicks had several injuries um, in last night's game. They're missing Nerland's Noel with a sore right knee, who's honestly an absolute foundation of this defense. So just the fact that I was able to look that good without Noel is really saying something. Um, Taj Gibson was out, likewise for him. And then uh, Derek Rose had a sprained right ankle, and Kemba Walker was resting for the second night of a back-to-back. But I think a lot of people will point to Walker's absence and Alec Burke's presence in that starting lineup as a reason why the defense as as partly a reason why the defense looked so good last night. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people in the day after are calling for Kemba to, to sit. Some people are talking about mothballing him entirely. And uh, I, I think that's really extreme. I, I do think that Kemba has been quite good at what he's been asked to do. I, I don't, I don't blame Kemba for a lot of the issues plaguing the starting lineup. Um, I think you agree with me there like he's been hitting over 40 percent on five threes a game I said he doesn't turn the ball over at all like he does compete defensively he gets a lot of those offensive fouls called uh, on moving screens like he, he does compete um, but something's not clicking in that starting lineup and so Kenny I am more open to this idea of, of switching up the lineup of trying something else of bringing Kemba off the bench how does that how does that strike you
0: First off, I'm going to address kind of what you said about, you know, people after this game in particular calling for for Kemba to come out. Because, like, I think that's just a ridiculous reaction to this. And it's, like, kind of uh, short-sighted and it doesn't see the full picture. Because, like, you look at one game, the Knicks won a game without Kemba Walker. All right? And so now we're going to – now because people, for whatever reason, are starting to turn anti-Kemba, we're going to say that the Knicks won that because Kemba didn't play. But also, you know – Noel didn't play, Derrick Rose didn't play, Taj Gibson didn't play, and Derrick Rose also didn't play in the Lakers game that they won. So, like, where are the people saying Derrick Rose is the problem? They're not there because he's clearly not the problem, but, like, for some reason, people are focusing on Kemba as the guy that's like, oh, the Knicks won because Kemba didn't play this one game, and that's ridiculous. Uh, But to get to your point, like, I – I have been saying for a while, like this is a very common thing when you mix up a lineup entirely. Like we have two very high usage, like high, like heavy shooters in Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier coming in for the starting lineup. And I think you just have to give them time. And I think offensively they'll figure it out. And I think what the Knicks fans have to realize is that, you know, this isn't going to be the Kemba Walker from five years ago and we don't need him to be. Uh, I'm, we're much better with him picking his spots as a, he's, I don't think he's going to average 15 a game. I think if he averages 10 a game and like he picks his spots, he's he um, gets some open threes to um, off of someone else's creation. Like that's fine. If he picks his spots to attack the rim and create for other people, that's also fine because he's surrounded by other people who can make plays. Right? So RJ Barrett, Evan Fournier and Julius Randall are all on the court with him and all of them will have their, the ball in their hands. Like, pretty regularly. So, like, there had been stretches, and I got some flack for saying this on Twitter, but there have been stretches where Kemba has been the only one clicking offensively. Like, that's just a fact. The first, there, he had two very good first quarters, like, a few weeks ago, and then in the third quarter against, uh, I want to say the Suns, he scored ten points in five minutes, and, like, he was the only one doing anything on offense. And then they moved away from him, and the Suns kind of started to pull away. Um, and they, the Knicks, were unable to create anything. But because... Like they're all figuring out how to play together and Knicks fans have different expectations that I think they need to simmer. I think, I think I said before the season, everyone's stats are going to come down if this Knicks Knicks team is to reach its potential. So lower your expectations on what their stats are going to be. But the key is they have to figure out how to play together defensively. Because like, like you said, Campbell Walker puts an effort, but he cannot guard anyone one-on-one at this point of of his career. And, you know, Evan Fournier has shown flashes of being a great team defender. Like, you see him closing out crazy on on shots, and then he kind of loses focus occasionally. And it's been the same thing with uh, with Julius Randle, who I gave a lot of credit to last year, and got one vote for, you know, an all-defensive team, where they just lose focus. But I think once they figure out how to play together, and like, this is, you know, Tom Thibodeau is a defensive coach, so I think they will get there, then you know, there will be a much better team than we had last year come playoffs. And like, I just think that you have to stick with this team because I don't want to break up the bench unit. Cause if you're changing what's working, then you're also changing. If you're changing, what's not working, then you're also changing what's working because if you're taking away from the bench unit, then that works right now. And you're messing with that.
1: Yeah. So I-, I just don't want to do that. Yeah. There's, there's a lot there. And I think, you know, For whatever reason, the offense really hasn't clicked so much with Kemba, and I think that a lot of that does – it falls a bit on Randall because he's had a hard time, I think, adjusting to Kemba as a lead ball handler. Um, Randall just has really had a hard time figuring out the balance between facilitating, passing, and and then trying to get his own, and I think that that's that's really hurt Kemba. So In terms of even like you look at his on-off numbers, like Kemba's numbers are dreadful. And I think a lot of that is just because he plays almost all of his minutes with Randall, and, and they have had a hard time figuring it out on the offensive end. I think going back to the, to the defense, though, last night against Atlanta was kind of like some sort of proof of concept where, I mean, Alec Burks and Emmanuel Quickly have been by far the two best defenders on the perimeter this year. Like they, It's really hard when we talk about Thibs like masking Kemma's weaknesses at the end of the day Kemba is the first line of defense he is at that point of attack right he's defending the other team's point guard and like we've just seen that that Burks and quickly are both very good at that so like he, they made life hard for Trey Young last night even though Trey hit a few like 35 footers it was absurd but that wasn't a fault of defense like that was just kind of Trey Young being ridiculous there were some issues with, with Trey getting to his floater, finding some lobs, but for the most part, they did a great job of containing him and containing the offense. Like the, the fourth quarter, yes, the Hawks missed some open, th- some quite open threes. Gallin- Gallinari, for example, I, I mean, I, I, I think I have his number right here in front of me. He was one of six from three, two of 11 overall. Many of those were open shots. You know, he, he really struggled, but I do credit the, the Knicks defense. And a huge part of that is just, Burks being really tough and also that starting unit being able to switch everything like Burks Barrett Fournier and Randall just one through four were switching everything and it really gave the Hawks a hard time like you Trey Young he he beat Randall once or twice but for the most part he has a hard time beating him off the dribble like Randall's he moves his feet really well and he's smart and just it seems to work so I, I was just I've, I was kind of enamored by the the very switchable lineup that they threw out there. Um, And then just like the guys coming off the bench, it allowed, you know, Kemba and all these players being out allowed for Quentin Grimes to get minutes. Quentin Grimes is superb. Like defensively he is exactly what you want. Offensively he shows so many signs of being just a tremendous catch and shoot three-pointer his release point is so high, like no one can really contest him. If he even has a sliver of space, we saw one where quickly ran a, a pick and roll and um, Jericho Sims rolled hard to the basket. Opposite side defender had to had to come down and, and tag Sims quickly, just like an expert pick and roll playmaker hit Grimes in the corner. The guy made a nice contest, but but Grimes nailed the three. Like I love seeing Quentin Grimes on the floor. I know that's not going to be sustainable given all the good players we have, but um, I don't know, man. It was just – it was a really nice rotation last night. All the pieces seemed to fit together. There wasn't all this kind of, like, angst around roles. It, it was – I can just see a path forward where if somehow if we can move Kemba to the bench – like, Kem – Tibbs has used these kind of sixth men spark plug small guards before to really well in the past. We've, we saw him do it uh, in Chicago with guys like Nate Robinson, Ben Gordon, especially – I know you love Ben Gordon and the kind of role he played. Could we see Kemba play that kind of role? It, it, it's, it's hard to imagine, given that the personnel on this team makes some of the fit tricky. Like, does it mean you bring Derek Rose into the starting lineup? But one answer I could see is quickly moving to the starting lineup, but to your point, that does potentially, you know, quickly and top in chemistry is perfect at this point. Breaking that up does seem to be like a mistake. So, um I know it, it, I'm kind of just going on a monologue here, but I'm open to experimentation and trying Kemba in different roles, given where he is at this point in his career.
0: And I, you know, I, I get all of that. And I, I, agree the defense yesterday was much improved um, compared to, to how it traditionally has been. I just don't, like, I don't want to break up this bench unit is the the biggest thing, but also like, I don't want to look at the one game sample and say that that's how things would be moving forward if we made this switch. Because like Julius Randle scored eight points and that's not going to happen like a regular thing. Like Julius Randle, Randle had 14 shots against the Hawks. Alec Burks had 17. Fournier had 13. Barrett had 11. Quickly had 12. Like Julius Randall's going to get his shots up. Right. So the same thing would happen to Quickly or Burks if you shift one of them the starting lineup where it's a question of who's getting their shots. And if you put, you know, hypothetically, if you put Burks there, you're taking away his like best attribute was his, which is his ability to, you know, have the ball in his hands and create offense uh, on the offensive end. He's, he'll he'll still be able to do what he does on the defensive end, but you're taking away that. And so if it will be a less effective player, like maybe the team's the, the starting lineup's a little better, but is it worth losing that? And then, you know, you're putting, Kemba Walker and Derek Rose together, on, you know, the, the second unit. And, like, how does that work with both of them kind of having, like, not similar stylistically, but, like, similar kind of attack the rim and, and create for others type style? And, like, I, I don't know. Both of them can hit threes, so, like, yeah, maybe it, maybe I, it I works think, out.
1: But I think it's worth looking at. Um, just, you know, defensively, Kemba won't be able to be as picked on you know, to your point, he you can't defend anyone one on one. Like his point of attack defense is not really all that strong, and so against second units, I I just think that that threat would be minimized, and I I would be curious to see how that works. Um, you know, I don't want to break up some of these reserves, but part part of it is like you know that energy of the second unit was was inside you all along. You know, like like you can you can wherever quickly goes wherever like unit he plays on he inserts that energy like it's it's just topping this is the same way like it's infectious the fur the starting unit just needs some little because it's not a one game sample it's not a one game sample for for that starting unit like it's it's you know a 15 game sample and and i'm not saying that that it should determine the course going forward but i do think that the regular season should be for experimentation and, and just trying some different stuff and and burke's I'm just, I know this was a one game sample. Berks in the starting lineup just looked good. It looked big and, and physical. Like I mentioned to you before we start recording that the Knicks are a below average to poor rebounding team. I don't think there's a world where that should be the case. I, I think that between Randall and Barrett and our starting center, whether it's Mitch or Taj or Noel, like there's enough rebounding there where that they, we shouldn't be a bad rebounding team. Um, and, and even like, in, in the second unit with, with Toppin and whoever are, are, you know, Noel or whoever is coming off the bench, there should be enough size there that we're not a bad rebounding team. Burks is a really good rebounder. Like he had seven last night. He's aggressive on the boards and he just brings a different kind of energy and physicality to the, to the backcourt that isn't there. Cause, cause I'll be honest, Evan Fournier, as skilled as he is, as well as he's shooting the ball from three recently, he is not, Uh, he doesn't play with a ton of force, right? He doesn't make you feel him the entire game. Like he can disappear for long stretches. And I think Burks isn't really like that. Like Burks can, he's versatile enough where he can play on the ball, he can play off the ball, but you're going to notice him because he has an aggressive mindset and he's just a a strong rebounder. He'll push the ball in transition. It's stuff that like Fournier won't do. It just, I kind of like the, the skill sets and the, and the kind of how they fit together between Burks and Fournier. But again, it's just, it's just something I'd like to see given a little bit more uh, given a little bit more run.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'm happy to give them some run, but I have trouble when we have two, you know, above average point guards giving the starting point guard spot to a shooting guard. And you know, I think the first name you mentioned as the potential, you know, person to step in was Emmanuel Quickly. And selfishly, I don't want that because, like, when if what Quickly does on the the second unit is whatever he wants, right? Like, he can heat check whenever he wants. That's not going to work with Julius Randle on the floor, right? Like, Julius Randle's not going to be happy if he's pulling up from thirty in or, like mid shot clock, and like that's going to affect his game and his development. I just don't think it's worth it. And like once you get to to playoff rotations like these are the things that you would think about for one for one game if we're planning all out to win like yeah maybe maybe we start to bring in some other guys in, and for that but for the longer course like for to make it through a grueling 82 game season like it, it's about you know balance about having the right guys in the right positions to succeed for the longer term and more often than not like able to work together, and like it's not the same as once we hit the playoffs and the, the rotation shortened like going all out for every win because that's just not how you you can't do that every night. Just it'll wear you down, and like the Knicks have had enough injuries that you know we're, we shouldn't have guys playing. You know the thirty-five plus minutes they were they were playing last year, and like hopefully that those minutes comes down, and like we can get health get into the playoffs healthy.
1: I'm curious if there's kind of like a breaking point for you. If, you know, I, I think that a lot of the stats and even the eye test would tell you that the starting lineup of Kemba, Fournier, RJ, Randall, plus center, it it's not it hasn't gelled yet. I think we can all agree on yeah. that. I, I'm curious if there's a certain number of games that you have to see where that's still the case, where you'll be, is it 40 games? Like, if so, you know, like, what's said, the point?
0: I said two weeks ago, like, give them 20 to 30 weeks or 30 uh, games to kind of get their their stuff together. And then, because, like, that's typically how it works, right? Like, I talked about the Miami Heat when LeBron first went there. Um, I think there was another team, maybe it was the Cavs, when uh, LeBron, Kyrie, and, and Kevin Love got first got back together. But I could be wrong on that. But, like, those teams didn't play great at the beginning of the season. And if you look at, like, the, the Lakers right now, if you look at like, no, well, Milwaukee's not the same case, but um, they, they're, they're not playing well. So like, you got to give this time. So I'd say 20 to 30 games and like, I will reassess because
1: yeah, watching but Kenny, we're, we're at 20, you know, we're 11 yeah, and I mean, nine. Like it's, that,
0: it's another 10 ahead. games, another 10 games is, is like, we're getting there, but like, we're not there yet. And 10 games isn't a, you know, it's, it, it's going to give them some time to, to start to gel. And the other thing is that like, just that we've seen flashes, right? Like at the beginning of the season, the first three or so games, like the, the starting unit came out hot every single game and it was incredible. So like we've seen flashes and we see flashes in other games where like they'll have very nice stretches. And then my bigger concern more than the offense, because I think, you know, we've mentioned before, that's, they're just, they were just missing shots for a few of these games. Like they had, you had a few threads where they're getting good looks they have good process they're just missing shots and like over time that'll even out my bigger concern is on the defensive end because they lose they do lose focus like like i said evan fournier has, has stretches where he has incredible closeouts like he'll he'll put in a ridiculous amount of effort but then there's times where he just loses focus and like gets beat and it's the same with julius randall and kemba walker like i said can't guard one-on-one but i still believe he can be a solid team defender and if they can get together as a defensive, uh, get together defensively, I think that'll give them confidence on the offensive end, and the shots that they're missing are going to start falling.
1: Yeah, it's a little chicken and the egg too, because I, I think that them missing shots, I, I'd point to R.J. Barrett in particular, just missing and missing really hurt some of their uh, focus and energy on the defensive end too. So yeah. you know, so I it goes the, and again. It goes it goes
0: both ways. So again, if they like you said, they're getting good good shots through good process. If those shots start falling in falling, like maybe their defense picks up too. So I think, given the enough time, I think this team will figure it out.
1: Yeah, I just you know we're, we are starting to see some other guys step up. I, I'm specifically looking at Emmanuel quickly, who you know he did run a good amount of point guard last night in particular. Um, again one game sample, but we've been seeing it throughout this season. Quickly's playmaking has improved. He had seven assists last night to two turnovers, and he's just really reading the game well out of the pick and roll. He, he hasn't been shooting the ball all that well in recent games. He was just one of seven from three against the Hawks. I think he was one of eight from three against the Bulls a few, a few games ago. Um, so he's had some pretty bad shooting nights, but he's really impacted the game in a positive way through his passing and his defense. Like the, the fact that he's, he's not just some shooter, right. I think some, some Knicks fans were saying like, Oh, it, when he's not shooting, he doesn't bring anything to the table. And I think we've dispelled that over the weeks, but I mean, it's even more pronounced now. He's still essential to this team. Even when he's not hitting threes, like he's still making plays for other guys. He's orchestrating pick and rolls where he's getting defenders Defenders have to go over the screen. You can't go under on him because he's going to pull up like the three, the threat of the three is still there, even when he's not hitting because he's that good of a pull-up shooter, but the defender has to go over the top. He's getting defenders on his back and just figuring out the best play is the, is the, you know, the big dropping too far back. Okay. I'll take the floater. Is the, is the, is the the big up on me. I'm going to throw this lob. He threw multiple lobs to Obi last night and that chemistry is just something else like they have just a mind meld, like he's hitting Obi on hit ahead passes on, on, you know, fast breaks, you know, plays in transition that, that you would never expect the Knicks to like push quickly. He's finding it. He's getting out in transition. It, it's really something else. And, and they're getting easy offense that way. And that's just something you don't really see in that starting lineup. Like you just don't see easy offense. Cause you know, Randall doesn't really run the floor. He likes to pound it. He's so slow. Mitch too, Mitch with his weight gain and kind of some of his nagging injuries, he is slow up the court on offense. You're just not really getting transition opportunities with the starting lineup. And like RJ is kind of the only guy who likes to play that way. And, you know, we've actually seen Tibbs go to RJ plus the second unit lineups. And we saw it in the third quarter or beginning of the fourth quarter last night. And it was really effective. Like RJ really feeds off that energy from. Guys like Quickly and Toppin, and he was able to you know hit hit some shots. He was pumping, pumping and driving, getting to the lane, hit some floaters, um, and I just I really like the way that that Barrett plays with those guys. So you know we we've seen Tibbs sort of use a little bit more flexibility and like get just different looks. I, I like the R.J. and second unit uh, lineup. Stuff like that is just pretty exciting. We we've seen. Um, whether it's from necessity for fouls, we've seen Randall and Toppin lineups recently. And the more we see this kind of experimentation, Jericho Sims had to get a lot of minutes last night. He was really good. He was just, you know, he, he was kind of like, if I'm going to make a mistake, it's from being too energetic, from being too aggressive. He was contesting shots, blocking shots, uh, snagging rebounds, running the floor. He's he's a freak athlete, man. So he's just kind of like that Mitchell Robinson from the early years prototype, where he's just super bouncy. Um, it's There's a lot to be excited about, Kenny. So I don't want to sit here and like only talk about changing the starting lineup because I don't think that's necessarily the most important thing. I just think we have the players. We're seeing some chemistry. We're seeing some buy-in, and the defense is turning around overall. Like I, said, I mentioned, the last two weeks, the, the defense is turning around. They're getting better. and um, and there's just so much to be excited about with the young guys. And is, is there like anything in particular about the young guys, whether it's quickly Barrett, Toppin, um, even Grimes that you're like really, really looking out for?
0: Yeah. And I mean, you, you hit on a lot of things. And uh, one thing I, I, you might've mentioned, I don't think, but I could have, I could have just uh, missed it or forgotten almost immediately, but he did a great job on Trey young last night. Um, and like that, Ability has really stepped up because I think last year we were worried that he was not strong enough, and he was just getting pushed around. And you know, Trey Young is not the greatest strength greatest uh, gauge of how strong you are as a defender, but like generally, he has been very good as a defender.
1: Quickly, yes, and, yeah,
0: yeah, quickly. Um, and then you know, the the other big one is like you mentioned, Obi Toppin, who. Those two kind of have a, a very nice chemistry together, and you throw in Derrick Rose, and just the three of them—Derrick like Rose's chemistry with both of them, and their chemistry with each other—like that's one of my reasons for not wanting to switch up that six, second lineup. Uh, is just how well those guys play together. But Obi Toppin, and I might have said this previously, but his finishing around the rim has been incredible. Even when it's not a dunk, like he has just such a soft touch, and he like he, he goes so hard at the rim, and like I just think he's going to throw it way too hard off the backboard and it's just such a soft like uh drop off the backboard or just like a finger roll or it's whatever crazy. he does and it, it it's like I didn't see this at all last year. Last year if it wasn't a dunk I would have no confidence it was going in. This year like he's getting he's attacking the rim and finishing with very nice uh you know, touch around the basket which has been you know a, an incredible thing and like very you know exciting for me to watch and very kind of it's something to to look forward to for the future. Uh, and and like you said Jericho Sims had a a very strong game stepping in Um, you know we haven't talked about him at all but Deuce McBride had his first bucket in the NBA against the Suns and it was a nice one too stole the ball from on a pass from Hall of Famer Chris Paul to you know MVP candidate uh, Devin Booker after hounding Booker up the court and then took it the length of the court for a layup so like the the future is bright and you know it's kind of a hope that even though these guys aren't getting the minutes that you, you would want for development, that they're still, getting, uh, they're still developing you know, as players generally. And we, we've seen that from Toppin and from, from Quickly, from their steps from last year to this year, how much they've developed. And you're hoping to see the same from you know, McBride, from uh, Grimes, and from Sims. And, and I think that now that, and we said it a couple of years ago when they hired their development staff, it was crazy that they didn't have one. Because you just assumed every team had one, and then the Knicks didn't. But they hired a development staff, and we're kind of seeing the dividends of that pan out. A right.
1: lot, a lot of positives, dude. Just it was. Yeah. I mean, yes, they're they're four and three in their last seven. They they're kind of playing like a five hundred team right now. Um, they're winning some of the games that they're supposed to, which is nice. Um, you know, it, it's it's funny. Like you could tell me this team finishes with like, I don't know, like 48 wins, 49 wins. I wouldn't, like if things start to click, I wouldn't be surprised, but they could also like be below 500 and I still wouldn't be surprised. It's just like I mentioned at the beginning, I think it is still hard to to really get a solid read on this team and to kind of understand where they are night to night, just because you do kind of get some different teams. And I think a lot of that, is Julius Randle. Like, we can talk about him. Um, you know, last night against Atlanta, he finished 3 of 14 from the field. He missed all three of his threes. Um, he had 11 boards, finished with just eight points. And so you would think, based on that box score, that he played a bad game. And I guess offensively, you could say, sure, he he, he probably did. But he was still doing little things that many nights, even when his box score stats are much better, he's not doing like he had one like kind of tipped rebound in the fourth quarter last night during a crucial moment. And he may have tipped it to either to someone else or he ended up snagging it himself, but it was just like a second effort on a rebound that I hadn't really seen too much of. Um, It was one that just, we needed to get, it was just a a pure hustle play, like a heart play. Um, And then I think that, kind of I mentioned he had 4 assists to just one turnover and that turnover number to me has been indicative this year of how hard he's like pressing or if he's just like forcing the issue offensively you'll see him pick up a lot of you know charges barreling guys over or just you know bad passes or get caught in the air you know and his jump pass was a big part of our offense last year and I still see that it, it could be this year but when he's playing within himself, that turnover number is typically pretty low. And when he's forcing the issue, you see him get up to those five, six turnover games. Um, last night he had that four to one assist to turnover ratio. That's great. Like that, that to me is showing that he's looking to get other guys involved, but he's not doing it. You know, he's not forcing the issue, not trying to score to maybe the detriment of the team. Um, three of 14, not good. You know, that's, that's not great, but, um, he was still creating opportunities for others and was doing it on in transition. He had a really nice pass to Sims in transition. It was just being smart overall. He found, um, I think it was RJ again, and he was pushing in transition and found RJ on a, alley oop, where, where it was like uh, ended up being a layup because RJ was kind of like falling out of bounds as he, as he made it. Um, but I guess overall Randall has been up and down this year in terms of both his his productivity and his effort levels. And I thought last night, even though he wasn't hitting the effort levels were still there, he was still rebounding, still playing hard defense. And that all really mattered. So, you know, kudos to Randall. Um, What what do you, how are you feeling on Randall right now? Kind of a little temperature check.
0: Yeah. And I, I feel like I'm a broken record because I keep kind of bringing it back to the same thing. And I think it's just that like between Randall and Fournier and Kemba and, and RJ, there are four guys at any given time that, that Knicks might toss the ball to, and those guys might have an inkling to create offense for themselves. I think once they figure out like how to move the ball and play as a team, they're going to get easier shots. And you know, they're, like you said, there have been times this season where Julius Randle has played very well without scoring the basketball, and then he'll hit a point where he's like, you know what, I haven't scored in a while, so I'm just going to take the next five shots and he'll take very difficult contested shots and, you know, for, try to force the issue, and it, it doesn't end well. But I think once, you know, he, get, he figures out that and they start to trust each other enough that they'll get the ball back and they'll be you know, set up by their teammates to be in a position to succeed, that this offense will be very good because they, are, they have a lot more talent than they did last year on the offensive end. You know, between Alfred Payton and, and uh, Reggie Bullock, they really – those two couldn't do anything on the offensive end without someone else setting the table for them. And even when someone set the table for Alfred Payton, he couldn't do anything. So like adding those guys is such a big thing. And I think I mentioned this on on Twitter last night, but that was exposed in the playoffs last year by the Atlanta Hawks. They dared anyone but Julius Randle to beat them and no one could, you know, Derek Rose played very well. Alec Burke had a very good um, game one of that series. But other than that, like, no one could do anything against the Hawks uh, with them clamping it down on uh, Julius Randle. Last night, or whenever, yeah, last night, Julius Randle had eight points and Alec Burks had 23, Evan Fournier had 20, RJ Barra had 15, OB Toppin had 13. Like those other guys stepped up, created their own offense, and like Julius Randle didn't need to, to score 20 for the Knicks to win. And that was the hope coming into the season. That is why the front office went out and got all of these guys who could create their own offense. And in order for the Knicks to be their best in the playoffs, like having all of these guys who are capable of, you know, of forcing the issue and, and you know, preventing other teams from, from locking down on any one player, that's what's going to make them their most dangerous. And I think that they're, they have the personnel to do that. It's just a matter of getting them all on the same page and playing together.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I mentioned earlier that Randall had been playing some minutes with Top, and that wasn't the case. Last night, Tib seemed to really want a, uh, a traditional rim protector on the floor at all times. But, you know, Toppin, you mentioned he scored 13 points. He did that in 16 minutes. And, you know, he just looked – he brings so much. Everyone always just says energy. And like he, he brings this different dynamic element. Um, there was the play of the night that we didn't even bring up yet. That, you know, um, Mitchell Robinson outlid the ball to Quentin Grimes, who, you know, did a behind-the-back pass to lose Trey Young and then just threw a lob to Toppin, who who just threw it down and added a little flair to it. And it was it was incredible to watch it. It gets everyone going. Like, even in Atlanta, Breen was commenting how there were so many New York fans there. And you could tell in the arena that play really was just got fans going. Um, I, I'm very sympathetic to the people who say that Obi Toppin needs more minutes. I, I think it's, it's getting to be hard to keep him off the floor. Um, yes, he's really struggled from three. So, you know, putting him out there with traditional bigs is tough, right? Like he's, he's strictly a rim rudder or someone who's in the dunker spot. Yes. He'll stand out from three every once in a while. He'll hit one, but it's not consistent enough it's not being respected by defenses at this point. Um, but he is just so savvy at cutting along the baseline that we see time and again just, he's like just skulking over there. Like just waiting for any instant where a defense relaxes. And that's where he's bringing value in the half court. And it's his value is even doubled in, in transition. It's, it's unbelievable what he's able to do, how routinely he gets out. His motor is so high. It's just, to me, some questions are like, how long would he be able to sustain that same level of energy? Could Toppin play? That's the big one. Twenty-two minutes a game at that level, and I want to find out. I do. I I think that does that mean that Randall? There's no world where Randall like averages fewer than like thirty-four minutes per game. So that makes it really hard. But God, we got to find a way. We just we have to find a way. Whether that's Toppin yeah. playing some center with Randall at the four or whoever you consider the center there. Um, I, I just or even, we mentioned before on this pod, Randall at the three and Toppin at the four and just really rely on Toppin's ability to cut uh, to, to mitigate some of the issues with spacing. Just Toppin is that good. He's that dynamic. Um, we got to get him out more on the floor, at least 20 minutes and, a game. I really think that.
0: And Tom, um, I got, you know, I, I feel like we've been, we've been uh, saying opposite things for a while now. On this pod, more more than usual, but like, I just don't know if he has the wind to do what he does that long. And I think I I posted a tweet on on Talking Knicks. They they showed him right after coming out in uh, one of the games recently, and like he was just winded. And he it was at I think the um, like five minutes into the the second quarter. So he had played two minutes in the first quarter, and then the first five of the second quarter and he went to the bench and you could see him and he was just winded and it's like the guy goes hard every single game as hard as he can and that's what makes him so effective so like if you want to if you want to like spread him out over a game it's he's going to be less effective and like how much I don't know but like I I would rather have him come in for 15 minutes go as hard as he can and then go to the bench when someone else comes in and we saw that a little bit earlier this year when the the Second unit was doing so well that that uh, Tibbs left him in, and they kind of ran out of gas at the end. So like, I just I just don't know that he has that anyone has the ability to go that hard for that long. And like, I agree. I, I think you know they we will see some lineups with him at at the center. And you know, Tibbs has been more uh, you know experimenting a little bit more this season than he did last season. So like, it might tick up a little bit. I don't know how much it could possibly tick up because. He just goes so hard all the time.
1: Yeah, I think he got a lot of his minutes in the first half, and I want to say he didn't play as many in the second. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just think you got to get him out there for you know. Maybe it, I don't think it is twenty-two minutes. I think that's probably a lot. That, he got twenty-two minutes against the Lakers, and he was very good. Um, but what? I mean, what's he averaging right now on the season? It's it's got to be in that like probably 15.3, 15
0: 15.3 on the season. And I'll, I'll make a metaphor for, for the baseball fans out there. Like right now, what he's doing is like when you have a pitcher that you're bringing out of the bullpen and he's throwing a hundred miles an hour. And then when you move him to a starter, he throws like five miles per hour, less than that, just because you can't do that for an entire game. Like you, when you're coming in for one inning, you can throw as hard as you can for, one inning but you can't do that for five because you're gonna throw out your arm and that that's that's the thing with obi like he i think if you stretch him too much over too many minutes he's gonna become less effective because he just goes so hard all the time
1: but we're not even talking about like that many minutes. you know it is like a kind of a minor thing yeah, it, it's just like you know 20 i think 20 is kind of a, a sweet spot for him but i think we just have to see it like i i you know if we if Tibbs tries it and he isn't able to sustain that, then that's one thing. But I think we just have to see more of it. Cause I think there have been games where he's, he's deserved more minutes. Um, I mentioned that the 22 minute outing against the Lakers, where he was a difference maker, yeah. you know, like he, he changed the complexion of, he changes the complexion of every game he goes in. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying we need even 25 or 30, you know, obviously not. Um, but, uh, a few—that's the thing—is a few more minutes of topping a game. It goes a long way. <laughs> like it's uh its highly concentrated. So, um, yeah. So I mean,
0: I, I'll accept that because I—I don't think it's a, a black and white like 15 minutes is or uh, 16 minutes is good, but 16.1 is bad. So like, he can do a little bit more. How much I don't know. Like, 20 minutes starts to make me nervous. Like I think, maybe 17, 18 is more reasonable, and like see how that works. And over the course of the season, if he's able to stretch it out from there, then then fine. But again, like I worry a little bit about messing with the things that are working, but you know, if also he's earning the minutes, then he's earning the minutes. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that is, that's the other thing is you do want to send that, that message, you know, you produce here, like in your role, then there is a, a path forward to to more minutes, even if it's not an astronomical number that you will be rewarded for your hard play for your hustle. Um, yeah, I think a few more, a few more would be nice. Just, just saying, get that average up to 18 and and we're talking, um, 18 to 20. That's, that's my, that's my take. Um, I don't know. Is there, is there anything else you you think we should, we should hit on here? I think we, we really belabored the, the starting lineup, you know, potential for, for change there. I'm, I'm just very curious to see how it's going to go down when everybody's healthy. Um, You know, Tibbs has a, he's got a lot it's, it's an embarrassment of riches. It's good that, you know, when guys do inevitably go down, when guys do need rest, we have a roster that's built for that. So that's nice.
0: Yeah. So the the only, the last thing that I kind of want to bring up is just, Evan Fournier, the last three games, is averaging 19 points a game, which is good, It's very good. Um, so that might be a sign that he is uh, kind of figuring himself out, and you know, it's it would be very good for the team if that were the case.
1: Yeah, I mean, Fournier. It's nice when he shows that he's more than just a shooter, right? When you when you do see him put the ball on the floor and attack, and and start to even distribute a little bit. I, I I've always liked his two man game with Julius Randall from game, from game one, I thought that, that has a lot of potential that kind of Reggie Bullock type of synergy. Um, there are games where just like neither of them are appear to be all that aggressive or, or Randall's like really looking to facilitate and Fournier is not really feeling it. Um, but lately Fournier has been great. Like he's, he's been exactly what, what we need from him is, is a big shot maker. Um, It seems like whenever the Knicks need a bucket, we kind of run that play where the the power forward, whether it's Julius or Obi kind of runs off a back screen from Fournier. And then Fournier takes a screen from, um, I think from the big. Um, I show it on my, on my Twitter feed, a decent amount. It, we run the play out of timeouts all the time. It's to get Fournier um, an open look at the top of the key. And it worked twice last night against Atlanta. Um, and I, you know, it's, it's nice to have a a guy who, who's comfortable in that, in that position. Like they, they asked him to take some, some big shots. It was to stop a run. The the Hawks had been on a seven. They went on a nine Oh run to end the first half and then a seven Oh run to start the second half. Right. And that was against mostly the starting lineup. So we're kind of thinking like, Oh, here we go again. But, uh, what I love to see was that the starting lineup this time didn't just roll over. It was like they, they fought back and started with that Fournier three and, um, and led to a, a strong rest of the third quarter uh, leading into the fourth. So that was good to see that, that this this group can kind of get back on track after getting punched in the mouth like they were in that game against Atlanta. That was super encouraging. Um, and, yeah, Fournier, you're right. He, he deserves a lot, of, a lot of props for it, figuring out his role in this offense. And, and hopefully we see that continue going forward. Here's to hoping
0: anything else from you, Tom? I think we, we covered a lot.
1: Yeah. I think that's, that's all I've got to say. Um, that's all I've got to say about that. We so, can, I mean, uh, I guess
0: we can do ne- the next week coming up. We have uh, Brooklyn nets on Tuesday at Brooklyn, although I expect a, a largely pro Knicks crowd. Uh, Chicago Bulls at the Garden on Thursday, and then Denver Nuggets at the Garden on Saturday. So, uh, wh- what do you got for those three
1: games? Three tough games. Those are tough. It's a it's a tough, tough week. Um, this is, I want. I really want to beat Brooklyn. Like, not that there's a huge rivalry or anything. There's none of that. But it would just be nice to go into into Barclays and take one. Um, I know Brooklyn these last two weeks has been really good. Um, they have a, well, they've got a top 10 point differential. Um, you they know, have on the, the best on, record in the East, I believe. Yeah. They're, they're five and two in their last seven. I'm seeing, I mean, they're, they're tough. Um, Chicago, also, I mean, they're they're playing closer to 500 ball these last couple weeks. I think that they're susceptible, um, especially at the Garden. And then Denver, Denver's been struggling. Denver is just one and six in their last seven. Their defense has been pathetic recently. Um, so give me, you know, what, give me two and one. Give me two and That's one. That's what I was
0: gonna say. I should have gone first. I was gonna yeah. say two and
1: one. Yeah, but you didn't say uh, which two. I, I think it. I think we're gonna beat Chicago, and Denver, and and I think Brooklyn's playing some good ball right now, and I, you know, there's no shame in that. But um, that's what I'm predicting.
0: Give me, uh, give me then the the we're gonna beat the Nets and the, mm, You said two and one. I'll just say three. You know, I don't care. <laughs> I I would have taken two and one had you not and not pick which games they win, because I think that's actually what's going to happen, is you're going to go 2-0, but I'm going to take 3-0, because I'm not going to... I don't like predicting losses. You know that about me.
1: Never but the thing there. is,
0: how... We play the Bulls, what, three, four times this year, and this is our third time playing them? I know. So, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. So, after this, our next time we play them is the last time, in March 28th.
1: That's... It's a long time from now. Uh, can happen. Yeah, <laughs>
0: and that's, that's a lot of familiarity with the team. And we, we beat them the first game in a, in a close game. That was the one where RJ uh, closed out on DeMar DeRozan in the game. And then we lost a tough one at Chicago. And, like, the next
1: two are at the Garden.
0: I, I, I'll take the Knicks. I'll take the next 3 I know. You know I don't like predicting losses. I, I haven't done that in a while.
1: All right, man. Well, uh, I mean, do we have some time. Do you want to do what else is on? A quick. What else
0: is on America's favorite sub podcast?
1: Yeah, let's well, talk about what else we're watching. What else is on the TV? Kenny, what else beyond the so, mix? What you been watching?
0: Between our last podcast and now, I finished Brooklyn Nine Nine. It was uh, it was satisfying. Like I wouldn't say it was the the greatest um, end to the series I've ever seen, but like it was satisfying. I was fine with it. Uh, the last se- season did get pretty a little more serious than I, I, uh, like from my, my, uh, sitcoms, but I think it was a necessity given what the, the show was about and the, the state of America at the time that this was all filming. And currently so like, there was, there was a lot of kind of political commentary on that. Um, but you know, I think it was done fairly well. Uh, and then just recently yesterday while Greg was home, um, a lot of people have been telling us we have to watch, um, Yellowstone. So we, mm. we watched the first episode of that, which, which was pretty, pretty good, pretty good. First episode. Um, we'll, we'll see if I'm, I'm in the mood for something serious. I might continue to watch that, but that's, uh, that's my situation. I don't want to give you too much on Brooklyn Nine-Nine cause I know you're, you're still watching it. So I don't want to get into too much detail.
1: We are. Yes. Um, no, I've gotten a lot of Yellowstone recommendations as well. So I, I probably got to I mean, what do you watch that on? You What do you need? You need like it's on some paramount other, like, paramount
0: paramount. I mean, I can, uh, I, uh, it's on, it's on, um,
1: Greg recorded it on
0: FUBA, which is my, oh, nice my source. So, um, that okay. it's available there.
1: Very nice. Um, I mentioned we've been watching a lot of Christmas stuff, especially over the, the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, it was most, a lot of it was to appease my two year old niece. um, yeah, she she liked the Benedict Cumberbatch, Grinch. You know, it was it was fine. Um, it's tough to beat the tough to beat the the classic cartoon and then the Jim Carrey. Like those are those are both pretty well done. So I didn't know I didn't know that we needed another rendition, but you know, as long as the my, my niece liked it, that's fine. We also watched yeah. the, the family comedy Claus Claws. It's an animated <laughs> christmas movie uh voices include jason schwartzman uh he's kind of the star of the show norm mcdonald late norm mcdonald is a voice jk simmons plays santa claus um really good really good animated flick like it was for for my niece but we all enjoyed it one of those types of like kids movies that that work for adults too so uh, we'll no, talk it, check it out. K L a U S. I've seen it on, what's that on I've
0: Netflix? Maybe. Or, I feel like I've seen the the thing. I haven't watched it yet, but
1: that, that's Netflix. That was a strong recommendation. And I'm always
0: looking, you know, I'm not, I'm never against a Christmas movie.
1: Good animated Christmas film. So that's
0: what I'll you said, that, That's what I'll give. You said you also watched some, uh, some home alone. Are we talking the originals. I know there was just a recently, a a new one released on uh Disney plus, which I, I have not yet watched with, um, What's his name the guy from Trainwreck is is one of the main characters.
1: Bill Hader? No,
0: not sorry not Trainwreck. Um What's the Hulu show we used to watch? It was 3 seasons from with the Irish woman married the American guy.
1: Oh, uh yes. Um used on my Rob Delaney Rob Star Delaney. of Catastrophe.
0: Catastrophe. Trainwreck
1: Catastrophe. See yeah, how I would mix those that, two up. That show was was Excellent. So, yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, Well, that's what else is on guys. We appreciate you all listening. If you could please subscribe, give us five-star review, follow us at talk and Nick's on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me on Twitter at Tom underscore Piccolo. Kenny, is that all the plugs?
0: I think that's all the plugs. Uh, Our co-host Jake Storiali just got engaged so throw him a like on Instagram or or Twitter or wherever you follow him. Congrats, Jake. Jake. Sorry we, we made it this long without bringing yeah. uh,
1: feel bad. <laughs> we buried the lead there. Congratulations, Jake Storielli and his beloved Jessica. That is a, it's very exciting. And uh, yeah, we're really happy for him. So um, go follow him on Instagram, Talking Jake. He's a good follow. Some silliness over there. Uh, and that'll be it for us, for Talking Knicks, for Kenny Poon. I'm Tom Piccolo. Thanks for listening. And hey, Let's go Knicks. next. Next, Terry.